0: Welcome to episode number 78 of the Apologue Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. This episode is brought to you by fetchclass.com. Fetchclass.com is a website where you, as a teacher, can sign up and teach people, and you, as a student, can go and be taught by these said teachers. You can learn music. And I'm thinking about opening it up. Maybe you want to learn how to tie knots and you happen to know how to tie knots or you want to teach someone. Fetchclass.com is a place to go. The site is there for you. Please use it. Yeah, a video conference, one-on-one. It's safe and free to join and have a good time with that. Also brought to you by InsightRecorders.com. Now introducing download codes. If you're a band that has a record for sale and you don't want to deal with Bandcamp, you don't want to deal with iTunes, and you play lots of live shows, and you have digital content to sell, but you can't sell it all over the merch table because it's digital content, then come to Insight Recorders. Hit me up. I'll make download codes for your songs. I'll print. I'll give you the numbers. You print them up. You stick them in your album. You stick them in your CD, or you stick them wherever you stick them up your ass. I probably care. And you can then have a Content sold online. It's very cool. Okay, come to me. I'll sell your shit for you. Banggood.com is a place where you can shop for extraordinary deals for unusual items. You can buy all sorts of things. Go to the AppleLog.ca website. Click on the banner on the right side. Click on that linked banner. Click on the link. Bookmark the link. And shop on Banggood and get stuff delivered. It takes a little longer to get there, but it's really cool. And you can buy anything you want there. And it's, it's fun. And it's fun to say, Banggood, 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 Banggood. Also on the Appleock.ca site is the Musician's Friend banner. You can click on that banner, bookmark that link, shop for incredible deals on Musician's Friend. And it comes right to your door. You don't even need to go to Long the McQuaid and deal with that douchebag with the tie. Do they wear ties at Long McQuade anymore? Who cares? They're probably are never going to be a uh, a sponsor, so f Long McQuade. Go to Cosmo Music, everybody. Cosmo Music. They're not a. They're not. <laughs> I'm ranting. They are not a sponsor. But let me tell you, I've had nothing but good times at Cosmo Music. If you want to go to the one in Richmond Hill, tell them Simon sent you. Maybe maybe they'll say, oh Simon, that guy. Also, where am I? Oh yeah, Amazon.com. Also on the applog.ca, you'll see the Amazon links on the right side. Whether you're from Canada or from the United States, or from the UK, you can shop on Amazon and support the show. This is serious, because it's kind of cool. It's very cool, and it helps the show out a lot, okay? While you're on the applog.ca site, you can click on the Shop button in the menu and pre-order my new acoustic album that's coming out. You can buy a t-shirt that will get hand-delivered to you if you're in the Durham region of Ontario, Canada, And you can buy the Foursquare discography there for, I think it's 20 bucks for, uh, I think, 50 songs. It's a pretty good deal. Patreon.com slash applog is a place to pledge as little or as much as you want. You can cancel any time. And what it does is a monthly pledge for, you can pledge four bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, two bucks a month, one buck a month. And what it will do is support my gas fees and my hosting fees. My current patrons right now, is Michael Pitts, Curtis Pippen, and Mark Peralta. Three awesome dudes. I had a Hobbit joke, but Peralta is not really. just more of a skateboarder's name. Facebook.com slash Apple IPod is the place to go like the show. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. And don't forget to go to iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to tell friends. Because with you and you telling your friends, that's what really helps out this show, okay? I really appreciate everybody listening to this show. It and I'm it's I'm actually over the moon and about the amount of respect and responses I'm getting from the show. It's it's been nothing but amazing. Thank you so much. My guest today, a name that I've been saying wrong for twenty odd years, Michael Phillip Vuyavuda. I was calling Wuhawoda and I'm such a dummy. Vuyavuda Michael Phillip is a record producer. He's a musician. He is very intricate part of the Canadian music industry and scene and, and is a recording, like, he's a recording engineer, he owns a studio he's an artist, he does documentaries he's just an artist to the core we had a great conversation he actually came to my, and sat on my couch and drank my coffee, and we talked for a good 70 odd minutes <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friend, Michael Phillip Vujavuda on the Apple Live Podcast
1: In an effort to keep myself stimulated, uh, I often need to do things that are not music-related because I do music production so constantly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the idea you know, of making my own music is great, but after 10 hours in the studio, the last thing I want to do is return to the same space. So, I've been making films. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and I'm doing two documentaries right now, and one of them is music-related. It has to do with uh, modular analog synthesis. Synthesists. <laughs> and, um, and there's a lot of kind of cool films, you know, like I Dream of Wires and things like that, that mm-hmm. are exploring you know modular electronic music but i was originally more interested in people who purchased this Eurorack uh kind of design which is the five uh i guess it's a four or five inch high thing with a standardized uh, uh power bus so it's making modular um uh, people making modules for modular synths the same way that uh, boutique guitar pedals started to explode it's really a bunch of quirky little corners of the world And they can produce all these really odd kind of combinations because if you're just working with uh, voltages, it gets very like recursive logic and all that sort of stuff. But I was really interested in the people who buy these things because apparently they're they're selling like crazy, but it's not like they're in that many bands. So it's it's music being made by people who have no intention of um, publishing or presenting, frankly. They make music... Kind like of, abstract art. Yeah, they don't even make YouTube clips. It's it's like <laughs> this. So I thought of it as maybe like a William Gibson style 21st century drug addiction kind of thing. <laughs> so that was the the idea of the um uh of the the direction the editorial stance I was trying to take on this documentary. But it's not working out that way because all the people who've responded are actually really amazing, heavy, highly productive electronic music composers. So mm-hmm. I so I'm getting access to them. So I decided I'm just filming. And asking questions about process, and and uh, eventually I'll, I'll I might run into a couple of disenfranchised nerds, but <laughs> right now I haven't I haven't come across them. So I was up there, uh, filming him on his modular system next to his fireplace, and we actually ended up doing because we actually have a band that's been together for about almost 16 years now that just makes 1960s style. Uh, like academic avant-garde? sounding bleepy, blurpy,
0: like Stockhausen. Kind yeah, of. like no beats. I feel yeah.
1: like if we're falling back on yeah. beats, it's, we're 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 getting we're panicking and feeling like we're not entertaining. people. That's jazz. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so I was up filming. Yeah, and uh, and then when I'm done here, I'm going down to um, uh, HHB to meet a rep from Moog, a woman who okay. I may put it in, uh, film as well. So so I'm in between
0: my little film shoots. The the idea of musicians or architects of sound is that there must be like that analytical numbers-based person who says, I strictly know all of these algorithms to make this noise. And then there's the artist that just sort of makes stuff by accident. It must be interesting enough to...
1: Sure. Although in the, the nice thing about the voltage-based stuff is there's no algorithm... Well, I mean, there are algorithms in, in, in as much as scientists trying to apply algorithms to the natural world, but but because it's not computer-based, this stuff right. is purely old-school, just voltages. I had a couple of like responses. Like one guy was saying, a fellow named Joshua Van Tassel, who's another great producer as well as Chris Stringer, was saying that he thinks that the the interest in in these musicians to to make modular analog music is because computers have moved away in the last decade from their original kind of power user uh, philosophy, and now it's turned into a much more kind of controlled. Almost nanny state, especially iPads and things like that. Closed architecture. There's really not a lot of ways to be to be Ex- truly explore. Yeah, so it's the return yeah. of authorship yeah. and and the idea of the two schools of thought, like you were saying, like those that understand deeply every choice they're making, and those that happily wander into un- uh, uncertainty and and just and chance and let mm-hmm. chance play part of it. And that's art in general, right? It's all well, making
0: little accidents, and
1: well it, well, I don't know if I agree with that. My sister's a sculptor and painter, and my brother's a playwright. So, so there is.: there So is the some thing form is.: I'll it. tell you yeah, the thing I noticed, for instance, when I was um there's a a, a fantastic musician named Kurt Swinghammer. I've done a couple of albums with him, and he's also a fantastic painter, actually if not more principally known for his paintings, and they're very sort of stylized, cubist kind of just think of the uh, the kind of artwork that was in um, oh, I see here's where I have this problem where. I can't remember the names of things, especially on radio and podcasts. (laughs) Anyway, but he he makes these really stylized paintings. And then I I happened to visit his mother's house a few years back. And there were these Robert Bateman style photorealistic paintings of birds. Just stunning. And I go, whose are these? And his mom, oh, those are Kurtz. He did those in art school. Mm -hmm. So it's like he can do that. But he chooses not to. well
0: yeah there's right there's two trains i don't know too many artists in my you know in my little world but i do know that photorealist folk go against the abstract folk because it's too easy but then again i look at this photorealism stuff like and i'm like this looks like a photograph this looks exciting to me because of the where i'm and that's another thing about art it's all subjective it's all yeah
1: well some would say the early you know the renaissance masters that started to understand how to simulate like the way the light is coming in the room right now even the mm-hmm. way you look right you kind mm-hmm. of, you're like you're in a Renaissance repose <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, yeah. we're, we're actually just sort of like you, you on the recreate couch.
0: the thing and I'll take the picture and sure
1: <laughs> but um but being able to use just you know oil with pigment in it and to try and emulate how the eye sees light and then photography made that chemical based and the idea of, of being able to like make a painter come back to that like again this photorealistic yeah. Especially, I suppose also the idea, because everything is so digital, where are these, these, these last remaining places? Like, you know, The Guitarist. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. it, you know, because, it's, because anything that's digitized, A, it's, it risks its value becoming zero mm-hmm. because it can be so easily stolen and transferred and, and sure. modified. So whether it's, you know, to pick up a guitar or, to, or a piece of vinyl... I'm sort of intrigued by that, and I think that's part of the modular thing too. Is it's it's old school, it's voltages and chunky things, mm-hmm. and and I don't know if that's a, a I'm being reactionary because I'm like I said earlier I'm a bit of a coot now I'm officially mm-hmm. entering coot, cootdom, <laughs> but I love but you know in terms of music especially um, there's a part of me that that uh, sort of because you're talking about the dichotomy between the two. Mm-hmm. Schools of thought, you yeah. know, someone who just lives on a laptop and yeah. makes great stuff. Skrillex is amazing. Yeah. The fact that he was this killer um, death metal vocalist mm-hmm. uh, and had a whole legacy of doing really v- visceral, physical, loud, traditional music, mm-hmm. uh, then tinkering in the back of the bus on his laptop. Like, it's funny, I was thinking about whenever there's waves of, it's a little bit of a, of a, of a, uh, essay of mine I'm working on my little thesis <laughs> about the idea of a culture that seeks to try and find a, yet another original try and find some thread of originality which gets harder and harder because the pantheon of pre-recorded music gets bigger and bigger and bigger and and you know, I, I certainly get it. People who love blues or reggae, like you, can only deviate so far from the form before you're not playing it anymore. So, mm-hmm. and they embrace that those lim- those parameters as uh, I mean, it's almost religious when it comes to yep. reggae. The purists. Yeah, and and then the idea of when I was growing up, it's starting in bands, playing music, um, my first instrument was drums. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always a multi instrumentalist. But it was the only instrument I'd get on stage and not be too nervous. <laughs> And uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, the first bands I was in was with a fellow named Paul Myers, who's um, uh, I don't know. Have
0: you had him on the podcast? Yet? I
1: haven't. He is a chatterbox. You should have him on the. There's podcast. all these
0: people you're mentioning. I'm like, gosh, you rang, right. That'd be good. You know? Yeah, and he's
1: writing. Of course, he writes a lot of great music-related uh, yeah. books and things yeah. like that. And 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 he's he's the he's the funnier. He's the fun. Well, I don't want Mike to get mad at me, but he's the funnier. <laughs> Actually, Peter, the older one is actually probably the funniest, but of the but the myers brothers were were uh, dear friends as growing up. And so Paul and I were in a number of bands. what area uh, in in well, he was in Scarborough, and I was in North York, but we mm-hmm. all tended to meet at Fairview Mall, <laughs> which was at Don Mills and uh, Shepherd, yeah. and uh, learned about life and love in uh, uh, and but of course, you know we we found our little enclave. There'd be like the hosers and the rockers and and we'd be sitting there in a little coffee shop. Trying to discuss the merits of like Woody Allen films, and we we were these this little enclave of, of, uh, of
0: intellects. Art.
1: I was gonna say art fags, but in 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 a, in a, in a, in a non sexual orientation <laughs> yeah, sort yeah, yeah. of way. Yeah, yeah,
0: in a great five way.
1: Yeah, and in a Boston sort of
0: <laughs> way, wicked had, and um,
1: but uh, so we always had this mantra when we were starting to play in bands that, it, and it got to a point where it got so bad that we stopped doing it but it would be if anything re- resembled something we already knew it was the job of the other musician or other band member to bust them on it right. and say oh yeah but that sounds like this guy or that sounds like this guy and and we had this kind of maddening desire to try and find something that felt fresh and and because i got into music around uh, as punk had crested and new wave had begun like i started playing in bands around 77 mm-hmm. i was 13 14 years old yeah um, we always felt that that was it was an unspoken. Well, of course, I mean, you, you know, and if you don't do that, you're lazy or you're just purely the second wave of commerciality, which is like the the Samsung to the uh, to the uh, to the Apple. You yeah, know? yeah. You make a product, but it's still ultimately just copying. It's there, yeah. And and you and you can find a pro, a market and a profit based on 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 copying. So we always thought it was important to be original, and would always seek artists who found some original spin on things. And then this discussion happened. Let twenty years go by, and and I'm not I'm not trying to speak disparagingly of uh, of the generations of music of musicians that have followed me because uh, it's always wave upon wave of, of so much energy and so much uh, enthusiasm and talent and 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 vitality and I love it. But there was a trend that started to happen maybe at the around the start of the 2000s where it really kicked into high gear. Where there was a generation of musicians that would sort of look at classic rock uh sources and try and s- sort out how the masters had achieved that, whether it 's in recording techniques or playing techniques and they could figure out a way I mean people had been doing it with the Beatles to a degree a little earlier but but how to sound like zeppelin how to s- and really like a study mm-hmm. but as opposed to that being a stepping stone in terms of like Kurt's um, photorealistic paintings of birds on his way to his original style. Mm -hmm. There suddenly became this thing that if you could decipher the language of those gods, then you've, you've gotten to where you got to be. And, and so the sheepdogs are like, they it's so much homage. It's so much mimicry now. Yeah. Yeah. And so Paul and I, as a couple old coots who somehow convinced ourselves that we were supposed to, you know, make new music. Well, it's yeah. You, 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 <laughs> if it if it's been heard before, then it's it's a tired thing. So there's there's been a bit, bit of a, a struggle that way. And I realize I'm talking a lot. Do you have a question? Maybe no, man. Get, get I know this is
0: easy. I like these ones. <laughs> uh, I know I appreciate I appreciate what you're saying because I I kind of follow the same trend that there was this sort of heightened sense of irony of of music and sort of liking. I was just talking. To John Sutton was on from the Weaker dance X. Week of Dance. And we used, we, we've known each other for, well, over 20 years, but we used to laugh at the fact that we'd listen to Herb Alpert in the van because that was... Love Herb Alpert. It was the weirdest music we could find. Yeah, great drumming in the, that shit. It's, everything but... is so awesome because yeah. it's like he made his own style of music. Think about it, right? Like James Last, too. Yeah, yeah. So we'd listen to it and go, I like this. Why do you like it? I don't know why I like this. I just like it. And I think it's keying into what you're saying. We're just trying to find a different reason mm-hmm. in to, to like different music whether it be for irony or for sarcasm, or
1: well, I think that when when it's fresh, it's the it's the rebirth of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And I use rock and roll not specifically of the genre from the fifties. Sure, I use rock and roll as a kind of a the same way I use the word pop. It's it's mm-hmm. popular. Like sure. rock and roll is a about kind of that idea of not only finding a fresh path again, yeah, but alienating your parents, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's this, it, and it is, I mean, you're, I can tell you know, you're a parent. And so it's like, it is the, it is the, the universe's obligation to, for all young people to baffle their parents. Yeah. And if they're not baffling their parents, they're, they're on wrong. the wrong path. Yeah, Like I, I, eventually this whole thing I'm talking about is goes back to Skrillex and I'll get to that in <laughs> a second, but, but I remember having these uh, um, friends, they're both artists, um, parents, and uh you know one's an arts administrator the other one is uh, i mean he he works in all kinds of things but they're they're very 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 progressive uh uh libertarian mm-hmm. couple and they have a single son um 14 and he was getting into black metal and death metal speed metal and they're like great mm-hmm. of course because they're going to be so hip that uh, there's nothing that the kid can't do that they're not going to be so ahead of the curve and and one <laughs> summer i came to their place and uh And I'd say, so uh, how's your boy? And they'd be in the kitchen going, he's driving us fucking crazy. I go, what? He goes, he's been getting recordings of national anthems from around the world, closing his bedroom door and blasting it at 100 dB.
0: He's just finding a reason. And he was like, and he's
1: just so into these national anthems. Mm. And they're just, they're going, I don't get it. I just Mm. don't. And I thought good
0: on him like he's doing something yes he's pushing buttons found a way pushing envelopes and buttons that's what teenagers are supposed to do yeah you're right you know and if if the, the you know and to to your point where when when teenagers are like good little boys and good little girls they usually turn out to be crazy people in the end of the day, you know. In my in my opinion, the ones that sort of follow suit, they find a reason to snap, and it's not when they're fourteen; it's when they're forty-four.
1: So, sna- so snapping is an
0: inevitability. Just try and get it, try and have it happen early. Have yet. a rev- yeah, do it. Yeah, if you're gonna lose your mind, lose it when you can't be thrown in jail, and then uh, you know, and, point. Or at know.
1: least, or the record can be erased. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and you know, so because I know, I know, uh, as I knew a friend of mine who was a straight edge. Punk rocker, yep. Never drank, never smoked. Dude's crazy now. He's insane because he tried his whole life to live a clean life, but now he's he's insane. Why? Because he finally found that moment in his life to say, "I'm revolting against everybody." He waited till he was thirty to do that, to start smoking and to start drinking. It's like, and then now he can't handle it. Like so, and this,
1: and just the social repercussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's nothing sadder than.
0: Um, all, all the teenage choices manifest in a middle-aged person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, once we start, yeah, when we start growing the beard, you know, and the and things like that, you know. But, I, you know, I find it really interesting because you're an artist, you're a musician, you managed to take this and put it all into production. And, uh, you know, you've done some pretty impressive, amazing records, the, the Real Statics, Melville. That record and Whale Music, those two records are records that forever changed me. As as a yeah, I love those records. They're so good. Yeah, and, and to think that you know, uh, well, Mellow was done. What three days? Two days?
1: No, no, no. I mean, Dave liked to create this mythology. Uh, you know, expediting. He was there for three days. I mean, I, I, <laughs> no, I think it was recorded. Yeah, recorded over f- three four days. Actually, four days. Well, still, and then, and then I had to mix it and, yeah, and, okay. and stuff like that. But we we went in really quickly. But I mean, back then it was the eighties. I mean, a studio was mm-hmm. late eighties, right? It was late '80s, but uh, but the Reaction Studios on Stafford Street, the original location, the original
0: one. I recorded a record there, a few records. Yeah, they had a
1: uh, what was that console, sixteen
0: hundred. When I was there, it was a Soundcraft. It was a Soundcraft sixteen hundred. Yeah, yeah. Were you on the sixteen machine or the twenty four track? Twenty four track. First Trigger Happy album was done there with Stephen Edgerton. Okay, of course, of course, of course. Yes, it's all coming together.
1: Yeah, and uh, but. I just remember, so so I know Dave wanted to mention, and then, and then it's true. Well, music was also done very quickly, like three mixes a day, sort of thing. But mm-hmm. remember, back in in the late '80s and early '90s, a studio cost, you know, fifteen hundred bucks a day, mm-hmm. uh, twelve hundred bucks a day. You know, if we were really lucky, talk them down to a grand. Get the rate, yeah. And and uh, and things moved more slowly. You know, you had to calculate in the time it would take for the tape to rewind and and whatnot. Uh, absolutely. And so, so things had to be. But you know, it it
0: was quicker. and they played so well, and it was recorded properly. Yeah. See, so these you know, I, I'm a recording engineer too, and I know if you record something wrong, it's really hard to polish it into something. Mm-hmm. It's really hard, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, we could we could do old.
1: Ironically, I noticed you say not impossible. But it just gets really, 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 really hard.
0: hard. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of compromises and people don't generally walk away happy. But when you lay that... See, I've done sessions where you lay that kick drum down, you hear the kick drum, you go, this is going to be a good day. Why? I don't know why. There's just that moment like, this is great. I don't know why, but everything... Because the low end is tickling your your nads? Everything just... I don't know why. It's <laughs> just gonna that be a first day. hit. It just feels good that everything is from there is going to be awesome. Interesting. I don't know why. It's just this thing. And then you know when something... I don't know. It's everything all come you know coming together as a recording engineer where when yeah. you they, you meet these people in your room and you are in your house or whatever and yeah. you're recording them, you get an energy in a sense. But you know, I've done records where it's like, oh gosh, this is going to be brutal. This is gonna be a bad because day of, because because your your engineering everything. chops
1: that day are like I've had those things where it's like, fuck, it's just not coming together. Yeah, why? And then, and then I'm struggling to
0: like, what's going on? There's there's something, and i without getting too hippy-dippy about it but it just feels like the stars aren't aligning there's something not working out it's the people you're working with versus the equipment you're using or they brought in or something just but when you get that first uh, I mean my my only case in point story I have is when I recorded an album with um, David Quinn Steinberg came in and played drums first kick and snare he hit I'm like holy crap we had two days for him to record. He did it in eight hours, six hours, his whole record. Well, his gear's probably pretty sharp, too. Awesome. Right? And that, of course. is But he played to say- well, too, and he played it right. Yeah. You know, so there was... Well, a- how
1: superstitious are you? Not to suggest that you're, you're coming at this from a superstitious angle, but the idea that if the kick drum is satisfying, you kind of realize it is the canary in the coal mine that's going to indicate the whole day. But there's a little bit, there's a little bit of a... a uh, an endorphin release, mm-hmm. a self-reinforcing <laughs> yeah. thing that's going on in your mind. That too, everything right? is
0: going, to, yeah, you know, whether it does or not, it just feels like okay, here we go. This is great. It so feels what's good. the worst it gets? You well, listen to that kick drum sound, and it's like the guy hits it three times. It goes, that's all I'm hitting, you know, or something. You know, you get some attitude that may throw it all off. You know, well, are you
1: talking about the people part of the gig, or pe- the or the the all encompassing the molecules and and, and voltage part of the just gig?
0: all all encompassing, just the feeling of it. You know, you got the same mic. But then you're putting on a different drum with a different person playing it. Yeah. For some reason it just I don't know. It's I,
1: it's the person. My grandma asked me what I did for a living and I told her I coax performances
0: out of frail egos. I tell my wife I polish turds.
1: You know what? <laughs> now here's the deal. I, I don't know how long you've been doing it. I, yeah, yeah. I've been I, I guess officially I say I'm thirty-three years freelance. Uh, okay. Yeah,
0: I'm about 23.
1: 24. Yeah, and uh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to say that I say for about the first 20 years. Yeah. Um, it I got better at it, but there was always this little bit of um, this sort of little slice of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And in the, the your next 10 years are going to be. It get. Let me tell you now. It gets better. It gets yeah. better. It gets better on a technical end, right? Because I think what ends up happening is just that ten thousand hours becomes a hundred thousand hours in your body. Sure. And so there's less and less time needed to sort through the technical side. Yeah. Because it comes like lower brain, sure. palm, palm in the wheel, and driving memory. Yeah. And then that just leaves more proportionate time. And then you've you've seen enough. Yeah. Yeah. Types of characters come into the studio, and not like everyone's you know everyone's psychological makeup is boils down to a cliche but there're definitely like kind of types right and now i go oh, okay i you can size up a, a scenario a dynamic mm-hmm. and immediately i remember all the the wrong choices i made to eventually discover what was the right choice and I, I skipped that and i find the whole thing happens mm-hmm. a little bit easier the
0: clients never change no no I, it was funny you say that because you so it, well, what i'm gathering not to make you sound like a like no, a young, no.
1: you've been at 20 years I yeah mean, yeah but i'm it. saying it's funny the next yeah. ten are actually a lot better
0: yeah it was it's funny now that you say that i did 15 years as a real freelance and then i got a job at a university where i did sound every day but i'd be doing like two or three channels recording here but i became a better recording engineer Based on recording minimalist Minimally, yeah. kind of stuff, that when I started doing bands again, like five or six years ago, it's like, oh, this is this is easy. You Interesting, know? yeah.
1: And you know that that uh, there's that story about the broken watch. Mm-hmm. I know this is a bit like my quoting my grandmother or telling my grandmother <laughs> quote, uh, but it says so much because it actually speaks of it speaks volumes with a, just the tiniest haiku. The idea is that this guy's got a broken watch. He takes it to a watch repair fella my watch is broken. The dude, without even looking at the watch, says, okay, I'll fix your watch. It'll be $200. And the the customer's like, $200? Oh, man. Fine. Here, he hands him the watch. The watch uh, repair maker guy flips it over, unscrews it, looks at it, rotates it a few times in his hands and blows one spot. Seals it up. There you go. Your watch is working. And the guy goes, "I'm paying you two hundred dollars for blowing on my watch." Mm-hmm. And I says, "No, you're paying me two hundred dollars for knowing exactly where that's to wrong. blow on your watch. Exactly. Yeah." And so you, <laughs> yeah. you, you. Uh, yeah. I, I like that idea about having to work minimally uh, in 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 radio broadcasting and, and sound reinforcement in a in university context. Because when you come back to, a, tracking a band, mm-hmm. suddenly that's what ended up happening. I EQ less and less and less. I just kind of know where to put the microphone now, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which is like really, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's all... Why didn't someone just, you know... It's so funny. That's the knowledge that they don't teach in them in recording schools. Like, they, the, the repetition of doing it, which is funny because it kind of counters what your musical endeavors were, was to try and find different aspects in music that when you... Now, when you say, I know where to put a microphone when it's this type of drum, I know where to do that, but that's sort of repetition, mm-hmm. right? So that's sort of using a formula. Yeah. So it's kind of like against sort of I mean in a way a little bit you know you might say oh, I'm going to try the snare over here but you're still you know what I mean you're still kind of using the same principles of a microphone and- But
1: it's it comes it just comes with any anyone who's just gets good at whatever their discipline yeah. is there's yeah. just this deeper knowledge mm-hmm. which is an interesting topic again even though I feel like I haven't made Never finished my points I'm going to go back And finish We'll the Skrillex. finish the
0: Skrillist thing it be like a Seinfeld episode At the very end We'll just be like Ah
1: Okay because I have another Curiosity about uh, For instance I think there's a scourge Of terrible live sound These years And it's oh, not just in yes. the city uh, The city of Uxbridge No the city
0: <laughs> Hey, <there's, laughs> Yeah believe me We yeah.
1: have bad sound <laughs> But no for sure Actually it would be classic Because the smaller rooms And all that You know sp- hmm. But uh, but there's a real there's, there's a lot of bad live sound And I, I started Like I do live sound now Because I cut my teeth Doing that Mm-hmm um, I'll come out of retirement maybe once a year or twice a year as a favor to somebody. Like sure. go to the Horseshoe and mix something. And uh, and <laughs> and if I'm on my game, I can make it sound really really great. Yeah. And uh, and even with the digital consoles, which are kind of screwing me up now because I preferred the old way, but whatever. Adapted. Never. Yeah. They never. But I got a great mix, and I got a young sound house tech. And uh, this sounds like like a bit of an ego maniacal story, but you know he's saying. I had no idea it could sound like that. That this stuff was capable of it. Mm-hmm. Not as a, a testament to how fabulous I am, but more, it made me think about um, well the gap, and I wonder if it's the fault is partly on on uh, of the, uh, our older generation to be mentoring. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are the schools, like you say, that do it, but I mean, not everybody gets to go to these schools, and and I then it made me wonder about well, why is there a lack of mentoring now, and is it because the old guard. I don't know how you feel about the uh, you know the shift in the collapse of the music industry left a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth and <laughs> a, in a, in a yeah. kind of a there's a tendency to go well fine if you're not gonna pay for music then fuck you and yeah. and 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 or similarly um, but what ended up happening in this uh, horseshoe scenario is the kid uh, after we're you know flattening the board or whatever and he's saying I want to show you something and he, or even when I arrived I said can you have the flatten the board before I start and I did. And it everything sounded fucked up. Mm. And I went, uh, did you flatten and it? Says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but I've left all the plugins on. Yeah. And they're presets. You know, this is like the uh, Tom Lord Algae suggested kick drum curve. And he has no idea why the curve's even there. Mm. But Tom like, Lord Algae did. But but my point <laughs> is, is that it sort of startled me to think that he's got he's got a he's an engineer now, yeah, with really no deep knowledge of he but he has he has the practical knowledge of if I can use the plug-in suite, call up the Tom Lord Algae preset and fix it then it approximates enough mm-hmm. that it's i suppose the person who's hiring him goes okay well, i guess he's okay you know
0: yeah i have a similar story i was went into re- re- mix a band that i've known for years and i've gone on tour with them i've gone all over north america with them and they came into town and i went to this town i want to give too many names to mix this live show for the band the house engineer had his setup and he was more than proud to tell me that he's double triple compressed things. He's got this ducking at this and that. And it was like. Regardless of the material. Regardless of anything, this is his setup. I said, well, I said, okay. He goes, because I've mixed 600 shows in this place. I know how this room is supposed to sound. I said, well, I said, and I didn't want to say, well, I did say, I said, listen, I've mixed this band 400 times in places all over the world. So this is not how it's supposed to sound. I said, and your job as house engineer is to basically make it easy for me, not make it your cup of tea. Like I'm not going to come and drink your cup of tea. I'm going to make my own, and then we're going to leave, and everybody be happy, and it'll sound like it is. You Did can't it come to fisticuffs? No, it got pretty close because he called it a big dick slinging competition, and i was like, it's not that. I said, listen, this is you're you're making this board is a computer. You're making this computer think too hard, and you're complicating the things for the sake of complications. There's a the simplicity thing. Like, what's his name? Um, Albini has, a, has, a, has an input and an output. He has no EQ in his board, right? Like, oh, I thought you meant a mouth and an anus. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but he has, he has his, 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 his signal chain is microphone to speaker. If it could be, it would be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he makes it as simple as possible. Why? Because it sounds better.
1: I suppose the politics of that situation would be, as opposed to trying to school him, which which you'll never work. No, would be just undo it for me and then redo it for your next client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, yeah. The poli- then there's the politics of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I like, now I'm offending him because I've I've told him like you know, I said I don't care what it sounds like for 600 shows. It doesn't. It's not supposed to sound like this. And well, it's you-
1: another variation on on why it's bad. And, and and the problem is is that musicians are incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. because an audience not, not only do they not know the inner workings of the whole picture nor I, I don't think they should mm-hmm. I think it's a, you know an audience most audience members listen to the music the way you and I did before we decided to understand how it's made in a way that we can never really ever go back to except yeah. maybe if you smoke some pot and sit yeah. cross-legged on the floor with some headphones sure. you can kind of access your memory of it but, a little bit yeah but most people who choose not to get into this business we call show mm-hmm their whole lives experience of that. So they're in the audience, it can be a great artist on stage with a really mediocre mix and you'd ask them, what do you think? And they'll go, yeah. it was okay. Yeah. And they had, and, and so it's funny, and as because you also produce an engineer, you also realize between all those levels of production choices, the mix being one of, I, I, like that's one of the things I do, I mix now a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I try, yeah, I mix other people's projects and the ability to have this incredible amount of influence on the on the the listener's emotional response to the content by your choices of balance are so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have so much authorship that uh, it's crazy that uh, these these live sounds... And then I did a f- some festival sound for a friend. He had a, a Christy Pitts um, two-day festival. He asked me to mix one day.
0: Throw and go? Uh, who's a that? Throw and go. That's what we call them, the festivals. Oh, yeah, you throw and throw. go. Yeah. Throw and go. But here's here's this
1: in in that day those seven bands there were two bands who didn't even know each other who did exactly the same thing they had like a drum kit a lot of electronics it's true Mm -hmm. but they had some acoustic instruments they had a submixer on stage they mixed everything themselves with their own headphone and and in-ear feeds and to the board is just two channels yeah and i that's
0: the way to go now man
1: and i asked them, you know you know because i already had this budding thesis going is this because you're control freaks or is this because you've had too much bad lifestyle? They go, Dude, yeah, we've had such bad lifestyle we realized we had no choice. Yeah. We we and, and now and now we can do this, we can map all these yeah. things and
0: there is a little lost in that. There is a little compromise with um, sure putting a you know, I mean, we know you know, but you know we have to explain to the, like these people. Like a headphone, make, and, a headphone
1: balance doesn't exactly make sense through speakers.
0: Sure, and actually, when you've done your pre-production in your rehearsal room, that will eventually go on the boots and heart stage. It's a whole different scenario. Yeah. So somebody needs to be able to monitor that and control that at front of house. You know, I still believe in having a front of house sound person. I do too. You know. But I com- I completely understand
1: this artist's yeah. Uh, desire to say that they chose that not out of some sort of aesthetic uh white knuckle mm-hmm. control thing. They did it
0: as a as a as a reaction mm-hmm. against a chronic problem. Problem. Yeah. Well you yeah. see I have a theory too about mentorship and in that society has changed. Like people who are under the age of a certain there's an age cutoff where people who were a little younger than our parents and, and you know what I mean, in betweens. The ones that are going to university like, say, five or six years ago, they've been told their whole life that they're the most special little flowers on the planet. And they will be going forth into the world as little narcissistic weirdos who need, always need constant support about how good of a job they're doing. So think about that. No one's telling them, hey, you screwed up. You know, you you messed up. Like I was talking to somebody yesterday who was, who was in part of the show I'm working on. I said, well, why is this happening right now? There's something, there's some scheduling issues. You know, we have a band sitting in a pit. We got 30 people sitting in a pit.
1: Yeah, it's expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're rehearsing choreography. And she took it so, such offense to it. Like I was slighting her, I'm, but I'm asking her a logical question. We have this much money sitting in the pit doing nothing we should be doing this. And plus I hadn't pushed a fader up yet to get a mix. Yeah. Now we're gonna start the rehearsal where there's no sound check. I did a line check. Mm-hmm. But she was so offended. And she was in that age of 23 to 30. There's this sort of weird sort of thing where when you tell somebody, hey, um, be careful when you operate this piece of machinery because you might cut your thumb off. they are like, huh, what are you telling me for? You know? Did you, are you
1: a Louis C.K. fan? Yeah. There was one episode of his Louis where he tries to buy some stuff from a, a, a Manhattan a restaurant uh, supply mm-hmm. store. And it's a very young, sort of in young 20s, uh, uh, beautiful sort of Asian uh, owner of the store mm-hmm. who's ignoring him completely. And eventually he's set, he writes the scene that where he's chewing her out for, for neglecting him. She doesn't even want to sell him anything. Yeah, he's not interested in him, and he saying, "You know, I would have bought more stuff if you do some customer service." And yeah. she eventually just chews him a very, very articulate new asshole, yeah. saying, "Your problem really is that you're of a generation that doesn't matter, and uh, and and uh, you know you've moved on, and we've created a whole new set of criteria." So yeah. uh, the thing you're describing has a little bit to te- my is, yeah. is that uh, it's a little bit of like. Well, it's no different than like some hippie telling like the man. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. problem right now, Simon, is you're the man.
0: Yeah, it's right. I'm, I'm the sorry man. to tell you that. I know. I know. You know. <laughs> Stick it to the man. Because you know when <laughs> when I say there's a, I hear a lot about it like through I have a friend who's maybe five six years older than me, and we worked together. And he was a carpenter. Yeah. He worked as a theater carpenter, stage carpenter. And I'd be you know doing something, and he goes, "What are you doing, you donkey?" Well, I'm like. What am I doing? Good question. I want to know how I can make this better. How can I be better at doing what I'm doing wrong? because I want to be better? Well, if I he said the same thing to the person that's one generation below me, they'd be like, "I'm going to go tell on you because you called me a bad word." Like he called one of his coworkers princess. you know, he, there's no social filter with him, but yet he's getting in trouble for making people accountable for their actions. Mm. So that's I think, is what you're saying is that there's a lot of sort of self entitlement maybe coming up into this sound thing where there's the younger generation does not want to be told how to do something correct because oh, we, oh, are the, we are. You're saying the that
1: they would, even if they were offered the insight, they'd resist. hmm. Eh, and maybe, maybe. Right or wrong. And maybe. I think
0: there's a generation that, you know, there's a way to deliver your message. I, I agree with that. But when you say, hey, maybe you shouldn't put your thumb in front of the blade because you might cut your thumb off. I'm just telling you. That's the tone I'm taking. I'm not saying, "Hey, stupid! What are you doing?" You know, big difference, right?
1: True. I guess I, I, I've only been observing the problem. You're already starting to delve into the practicalities of attempting the solution, <laughs> which which I didn't even think about. I say, "I'm here to here. I'm the hero. I'm going to offer my my mentorship." They yeah. go, "Fuck you, Grandpa!" Be yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll 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 stop talking now. You know. Anyway, so, but, but I mean that's, that 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 being of,
1: that being said, yes. needless to say, there is an incredible. Just wave of creative thinking and, and mm-hmm. there's there's so much. I mean, the, just the wave. I, I love uh, the the freshness and newness of ideas that come from people who finally, you know, just leave the cradle and they're starting to contribute to the to our culture. Mm-hmm. I dig it so much. You know? I
0: like learning from the young too. You know, I do. There's a there was a computer science major who was my work study under mu- for sound. And he taught me stuff about computers that I will n- would never have, you know what I mean, been able to figure out on my own. So there is a younger generation teaching. So maybe that's my my sort of, you know, anger is that. Well, listen, I'm listening to you guys. You know, you know. So we have stuff to offer too, yeah. and you know.
1: I I never I never thought of it really politically that way, but yeah. I think it's also because. I, I've never actually participated It's so funny like well that's not true actually are you
0: a computer guy though but, oh absolutely I yeah. uh, my
1: I, I was online in 1989 actually yeah. you know and uh, it's got a good ring and my first computer was uh, I, I soldered together the uh, the memory chips onto an Apple II plus in, wow. in 1981 good so for I, you. I've been on computers and I was yeah. I was the computer guru go-to IT guy for my family and right. friends for years and years and years, which is one of the reasons I mentioned this idea about how like computers used to be based on a power user philosophy, mm-hmm. and now the shift away.
0: It's becoming more artificial. Yeah, I had an iPad, I had an
1: iPad for uh, about six months, and and uh, short of jailbreaking it, which I've done with my phone. But, yeah, uh, I just uh, I left that uh, I left that scene. I just gave my mom the iPad, and, and I keep it on a laptop because I sure. can still go in there and and. Fuddle around. And, and yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm very comfortable with that yeah, yeah, technology yeah. And, and and was ahead of the curve, which was helpful in yeah. terms of transitioning musically.
0: Yeah. I came to the party late, like late 90s is when I got my first recording computer. So I was really late to the game, but now that's all I do. You know? Well,
1: recording computer, yeah, but I, I guess... Like using it as well, a Well, I had an Atari ST in 86... But I would get empty on my track four of my of my cassette four track, and I was you were, I was locking and doing all kinds of yeah.
0: I was ADATS. And I never went analog. Because God,
1: we shall never say the that black word. Blackface ADAT? unless unless it's the light pipe technology, we shall never mention those. I heard that again. the
0: blackface ADATS sounded better than the XTs. That's what I heard.
1: Oh, I didn't care how they <laughs> sounded. It was the fact that you had to have the tapes backed up in triplicate because they failed. Yes. They constantly, constantly fail. Oh, I
0: had motors fail, and I had them eat the tape. Mm -hmm. Because they're actually, the reason is it's it's old-school VCR technology, but the tape's running at twice the speed. Yes, So that was the problem, is that it wasn't ready for the wear and tear of the... uh, But
1: it was the promise of digital trickle-down, and the the beginning of uh, trickle-down, of manufacturing trickle-down philosophies that ultimately led to the great DIY wave of music making, which Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, it puts it, you know... It puts engineers and producers like us out of work. That's fine. I mean, that's that whole idea of what happened. You know, there's three fronts to the nature of the way the music industry is now. Um, yep. You know, the I think Napster, its introduction in the early 2000s, when it first happened, I actually was into it. Yeah. And not for the ability to steal music, but at that time, uh, a CD was cresting at about 40 bucks a CD, yeah. 35, 40 bucks a CD. So some kid comes downtown from the burbs. He's got a hundred bucks. He can go and get two CDs yeah. and, and a sh- milkshake. Yeah. And, and so this opportunity was arrived, arrived where you can access this music. And the problem was, I don't think everyone leapt to, the, to the desire to want to be criminal, but they were like, they, they had one of two choices. It was either grossly overpriced, uh, greedy, or you can have access to it mm-hmm. unbridled. And, uh, so I thought of Napster's original popularity as a form of consumer revolt. And, okay. and so when iTunes kicked in and offered, they did a little bit of market research and said, well, what do you think is fair? The 99 market. cents a song was yeah. their original pitch. Hmm. 10 bucks an album? Okay, that's fair. Sadly, what ends up happening is when that becomes the new normal, well, that's fine, but, uh, but then the next waves of just uh, online culture and accessibility to anything digital, made it so that by the time Bandcamp and uh, and these other distribution means that that the great democratizing of the revenue stream happening that they'd say well 10 bucks an album is too much like what do you think is fair to a generation that grew up on 10 bucks an album well they go well 5 yeah. at 5 dollars a record there's no way to fund the back end the back end returns cannot fund no. the development yeah. and then that breaks the system there You're
0: putting the rolling stones in the Rivoli. Yeah, and,
1: and, <laughs> well, I mean, aside from the the, the big arc of, of of describing all the details of why the system broke, yeah. uh, the the short of it is what's happened now is I think um, music has returned on two fronts. People often say it's like the third nineteen thirties again, where where revenue is made by performing live, and that's yeah. true. When it comes to recording, r- recordings are essentially just merch, and. Um, you know, they're like hats
0: and shirts. They're the thing to put your YouTube video to. And there's that. Well, that's a promotional means. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But similarly, in terms of funding, the funding models have kind of taken us back to the 17th century mm-hmm. where or 16th century where it's all patronage, whether it's crowdsourcing yep. or whatever, the idea of we will invest uh, in anticipation of, mm-hmm. you know, as, you know. And so that's kind of an interesting model too, um, how it affects the lifestyle and income of the facilitators of, of those recordings, re- engineers and producers like ourselves, mm-hmm. it's much, much
0: tougher because... Yeah. I was talking to um, Greg Nori from Triple Charger, and he is developing a company that will go find money for bands that has nothing to do with record labels, has nothing to do with pulling money out of your own pocket. It, it, it's, it, it takes the weight off of, say, a factor. Who right? does he approach? He didn't really tell me the whole idea because it hasn't really been fully put together. We did, but I can't really tell you. Remember
1: building. the Zeke, Zeke Sputnik album that had ads in between on the vinyl, had <laughs> ads for Coke and McDonald's right on the vinyl? That's brilliant, but it's the same idea. <sighs> <where> horrifyingly <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> but it's money not with the promise of an invested investment return, is it?
0: Yeah, I think, no, I just think That's what I mean, it's like patronage. It's the same idea of what the record industry used to be like. Well, we're going to put five records out and hopefully one of them sticks because it'll pay for the other four that we lost money on. That's sort of the way they used to do it. Now I don't think I necessarily I was talking to Cam Carpenter and he has a whole idea because he's been through the record industry since the sure. 80s all the way up until now. So I think he, I think he would like to see a little bit of the old guard back where it's like a committee finding this group, the committee puts the 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 team together that then goes and sells your record for you. That's sort of the industry of music, right? Like Yep,
1: yeah, I th- I think all of those things are 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 potentially a healthy return to some kind of an idea, some sort of system that is at least one can plan p- for predictable results. Mm-hmm. Where success and failure is based entirely on the merit again of the content as opposed to broken revenue streams and things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. the streaming the streaming model is is utterly. Uh, I mean, Bernie Sanders is so right. It's just, it's it's what happens. I mean, why the revolutions happened in Central America and stuff like that. It's you know the austerity of the of the two thousand and eight Subprime mortgage meltdown and how everyone said, "Okay, we got to pull together, choose this austerity," and and society embraces it. The the corporations recover very quickly and now have these enormous margins because everyone has accepted these austerity measures. And uh, those that try and undo it, much like personal income tax as a temporary yeah. war measure, as you,
0: yeah. yeah, everything expands and then contracts and real so, fast. You, and you so know. you
1: can't, you can't, uh, and 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 another analogy comes to mind, which is. Um, like the CIA and the FBI used to spend millions of dollars trying to find details about individuals, and little did they know that they just needed to create Facebook, mm-hmm. and everyone would offer it willingly <laughs> for free. True. It's true. By by the same as by the same analogy. Um, oh shit! I've already forgot what I was talking about. Um, oh yeah. Well, uh, in terms of the music industry, like mm-hmm. it's not quite the same in TV and film, it's, and it's not the same in visual art, but definitely in the music industry, those bodies that perhaps thought they have to uh, offer financial compensation as an incentive for content creators to make stuff, mm-hmm. realized, oh shit, they're driven people. Like they're, like creativity is a neurotic compulsive behavior. They're going to make this stuff okay. anyways. Why did we think we even had to pay them? Because mm-hmm. they make it anyway. And so certainly like Pandora and Spotify and all that, the deal that they struck with the major labels for the back catalog, the deal... The percentages that they get per stream are totally different than new new uh emerging artists right and Mm -hmm. and that's part of the reason is that we're not going to pay you oh all right (laughs) you know and and and, yeah
0: it's kind of paid for anyways you know
1: so i find it it's an interesting kind of shift but i see all of that in the larger scheme kind of like i know you don't want to talk about politics but (laughs) but you know uh not so much the the US uh, election cycle in terms of in terms of Trump but in terms of what i love about uh, on the on the democratic side the stuff that bernie sanders has been bringing forward in terms of just an awareness that 30 to 40 years of corporate culture uh dominating um the just the the shape of the economy and 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 all of these false notions having to do with trickle down economy and any of that uh the, you know the chicago uh, school of economics notion that uh that it's going to sh- you know trade deals that shift manufacturing away and just, just this race to the bottom that they talk about where and and our industry is merely also just woven into it's not exclusive to these problems yeah where um you know they talk about Bernie Sanders as a as a you know a social uh, communist whatever but really he's just a new dealer you know he's trying to do that mm-hmm. and i think in terms of economic recovery or even like you know the, the pushback against that all those risks are still there cuz that's what the war in central america was in the 80s it was really just workers trying not to be ripped off by really really greedy uh, fruit companies mm-hmm. and the fruit companies said communists mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was you know and then it makes me rethink cuz i got russian mother polish father i'm always think rethinking the whole cold war idea of communism and capitalism and yeah and not because i'm turning into a pinko but because i just I bought into the indoctrination Mm -hmm. that it was about repression. Why are you
0: wearing a fur hat?
1: Uh, Because it's chilly and they're efficient. (laughs) Um, uh, But the uh, but just this idea that um, you know that recognizing that often what ends up being described and vilified in these political terms Mm -hmm. is just. working people or working or businesses now right trying to just level the playing field or even out the playing field a little bit sure because those that dominate will dominate as alpha alpha male types will dominate to the point of 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 ridiculous theater like donald yeah
0: yeah and i think well i mean to to your point i think when revolution happens it's because there's been a there's a big change in society. Society says, I'm not putting up with that anymore. We're going to go, we're going to get that guy and take him out of power. Napster. Napster. So that's Napster. So, but the fact is, and you see, I've had it, it comes back to music, but I had a theory that they had the fix all along to stolen music. They just want to see all the neat ways that people can figure out how to steal. It's my theory, is that they want to figure out all the neat ways without spending a dollar in research and development. We're going to try this, and then everybody's going to figure out a way.
1: Oh, like Monsanto? Let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's actually do
0: our <laughs> let's actually do our, our tests on yeah. the public. In yeah, real time. yeah. With, with less harmful, cancerous uh, outcomes. But the idea is that okay, well, let's try and watermark our CDs. Well, somebody figured it out. They figured it out. Well, no, yeah, got around that. Okay, well, how much should we spend on watermarking? I don't know this much. We're going to keep spending money on it. No, great, done. Let's find a new way where we're going to stop people from stealing music. Well, okay, let's do this. Well, they figured out a way. Let okay, let's close that. Pirate Bay, let's close all these places down. The only one left now is Pirate Bay. Demonoid, all these other ISO ISO hunts, and all these places, they're all gone. Why? Because the government stood up and said, you're not allowed in our country anymore. How Pirate Bay is still allowed, I don't know. But they're like, we're going to keep you around for a little while, and then we'll see what you guys do. And then eventually, you're all gone. And people say that's a a utopian way of looking at how the, everything's going to be fixed. And I said, well, I like to be pragmatic when I try to figure out the reason why this happens. You know, someone said, okay, I've mentioned this a few times now, but you look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a bunch of numbers all put together. Well, you could actually, with that pillow, you could make a Bitcoin there with all the letters and stuff, because if you put all those letters into it, it creates a Bitcoin because it's literally just a bunch of numbers and letters put together. Why don't you put data in there and call it your song? One of a million songs. You can sell it for a milli Bitcoin. And therefore, you when you give me a milli Bitcoin, I give you the song.
1: It's a great idea. I heard another uh, interesting idea. Selena Martin came up with this. Um, who I don't know when you're broadcasting, but she has mm-hmm. a record release this Friday. We had be about a month. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. It, it was about uh, four weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Great record. <laughs> and, um, How was the show? Uh, oh, she's fantastic. Hey, yeah. She's really fantastic. Uh, anyway, I didn't work on the record, but uh, she was saying, "Well, if the system on Pandora and Spotify and uh, Google Play is broken, what about uh, digital tipping? Mm-hmm. Straight from the consumer, straight yeah. to the artist. Now, of course, in terms of pure value, there's likely the resistance will be sure, but we need to get a cut of your tip or some dark." But if yeah. you could literally in, introduce a, a digital tipping s- scenario, mm-hmm. which of course algorithmically, in, any reasonably talented programmer could sure. construct that very very quickly.
0: Yeah, you do it with uh, PayPal. Like
1: yeah, right now you could do. Yeah, <laughs> and, and but the idea that it would be it would be embedded uh, formally in all of these systems, and so you know, like I had often thought if. A lot of people vote for or participate in things that are gravely against their self-interest out of ignorance or whatever, or they're brainwashed into thinking it isn't the case. But if there was a response to the, the, the gross inequity of Spotify when it comes to independent artists... One of the means to do that would be to lift from one of those ancient Greek plays where all the women on the island withhold sex from their soldiers to make it. They just that's it. Yeah, you know, yeah, and they don't in the play. They don't talk about, unfortunately, how rape plays into this. Yeah, but, yeah. But the, the idea is ideally it's a it's a respectfully matri- matriarchal society, and the dudes don't get any form of protest. Yeah, yeah, and so if you could organize, which you can't, because that's what the workers in Central America did, and then they create wars. But if you could. Organized in such a way and said, absolutely every independent artist all around the world withdraws their content from all the streaming sites. Yep. They say, I'm but with it, you. But it's like, but you're not going to get your point zero 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 one cent per Who play. Who cares? And uh, and and you de- delegitimize mm-hmm. the uh, because of course for, on the consumer end because I downloaded Spotify on my laptop. The consumer experience is so brilliant. Mm-hmm. the 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 programming of the front end experience is sublime. Mm-hmm. It is just, I of course, how can you not want mm-hmm. that? It's like Uber, like the, the, the they the, bring it right to you. The it's, cab companies, you know, they they're yeah. a great example of watching the the mistakes of the record industry fifteen years ago. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to try and shut it down, it's like hire some fucking programmers mm-hmm. and make your experience equally as sublime, and then and and then force Uber to have insurance too. But but, sure. but don't. Just go. So we're going to go back to the taxi dispatch office with yeah, the fucking, yeah. Yeah. You know, acoustic tiling on the wall and the s- nicotine. No one ever saw that right? sitcom
0: that we saw either. No, the taxi. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so I was thinking that if you could do that, so you we're withholding. You all, can. withholding all content from Spotify yeah. as an organized thing, just to say, uh, and
0: we will return if we can implement digital tipping. Well, you can see. Here's my theory on iTunes to an extent iTunes gives you a great buying experience as well. It's, it's, it's so easy. I use iTunes all the time rather than try to find it or whatever and then find the artwork and because I'm hyper-vigilant about that stuff. Yeah. The order, proper bitrate and all that stuff. Just buy it on iTunes. But here's my thought. If I want to buy the new Bon Jovi album, I'll go to iTunes and buy it off iTunes, right? But if I'm Bobby and the Dudes, who's some band that I really like, I would never buy it on iTunes. I would go right to the website. and If I could mail order a CD or buy it digitally, I would do that first. So a lot of people fall into the, that Bandcamp trap. It's a pool. It's the same as iTunes. But it's harder than iTunes because it can't sync your phone to Bandcamp. and get. You know, your, like I said,
1: the user experience is nowhere as elegant.
0: You can buy it on your laptop and then sync it to your phone. Eventually, you'll be able to just go to my website, Bobby and the Dudes, and pick up the record from me. And then I get the only thing I overhead I have is hosting a website. And I think we all need to do that as musicians. Is, is is have your own website? Don't rely on Facebook or, or or other sources for sure. your popularity. Yeah, make
1: your the, own. And you know, a, a a a PayPal or a credit card based uh, plugin costs nothing. Well, there are also pre written plugins uh, already designed for um, music
0: applications. There's websites for WordPress written. To sell music on,
1: yeah. As a matter of fact, you could even get a WordPress site that you like and and just add the plugin. Yeah. So so there's no there are no excuses. Uh, some would say, you know, you need to make the experience as seamless as possible for a consumer. Mm-hmm. But of course that's true. Yeah. But you know, yeah. um, yet you're still a bit techie. Sure. You are. Look at you. You 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 have a podcast. You're obsessed. Like you're, I am. You're differently. Mm-hmm. Most people. Um, they need they need it to be and, and and most people don't understand anything about the computers except the elegant path that uh samsung or apple it, has is, given to you to, i should say google to, or whatever yeah, yeah for the operating run. systems and if they're comfortable with that yeah so that's a bit of a bit of the problem
0: but, but- yeah, there's easier ways to do it i mean i think it's a changing it's we all have to change our ways like i'm 45 you're
1: you're you're a youngster.
0: I'm well I'm still in the considering the time of fifty three. Yeah. So so the time that it took me to figure out how to build a WordPress site it took me about a week. Right? I knew nothing about programming in nineteen ninety nine. I had no idea. But now it's been a few years gone by and I've because I wanted to. And I think if we as a society want to control our own destinies as musicians, we need to take the and do it. Because if we don't we are going to have the same broken system that we've had for I totally agree. years. I, you know? Of course, I agree with you completely. And, and it needs to be, and I don't think you need to go out and play 100,000 shows a year to become popular. I think there's, there's, I don't know the solution, but I know there's a way out there. We as people have figured out new and awesome ways to do things. So we're in this flux right now where I think we need to get it sorted out. We need to hit something and go, okay, here it is. Here's the aha moment. This is how we're going to do it. And I think guys like Greg Nori is thinking outside of how to fix a, in, a I, hate, I hate the word, but it is systemic problem with the music industry, you know? You know, I know that you've worked out of the studio. Um,
1: oh, yeah, the had a great fortune in Morn Heights.
0: Yeah, and look at it now. You know what well, happened? Well, the structure still stands. That's yeah, what's I know. unusual about but it. But they couldn't keep up. They couldn't. It's it is barely. You know, you saw some YouTube on it. It's Well, I love you.
1: that that guy who crawled in there, brought his drum kit in, and then that's played. funny.
0: Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I know. There, there are folks.
0: Just, even though when Andre it, Perry 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 owned the place, he was very technologically inclined. There was a editing. There was a computer assisted assisted uh video editing suite in there. And then it just got sold to some other guys, and her heart was gone, and all of a sudden that place just died. Yeah, well, the,
1: it, which which probably only means that its demise was merely premature, but it, of course, would have been swept up because when we were there, did the debut B&L record there, and uh, it was... We haggled them down to $2,400 a day. Mm-hmm. So it would... Granted, it's residential and all yeah, that, but, yeah. uh, but it was still... That was the period. And, and, and there was... There was the, the late, flow of cash. Early 90s, right? It was It, it was 92.
0: Yeah. Did you do some reaction too? Didn't you? The original? The, I mean, the new reaction? Or what was that when I think of something else? Well, I mean, I, Whale Music was
1: done there. Yeah, yeah. And, um... In terms of BNL, no, I think that the after that the next record I did, we, we did it in a warehouse and blackface adats of all things, <laughs> and then some live albums and then uh, a mix and match of you know Jeremy Derby's Canterbury and right right things of that sort. Yeah. But
0: but um, that's one thing I, I wish I would have done in my life is gone to the studio because I've always liked the records that come out of there. You know what? It was just a place. Yeah. I
1: mean, of course, it's a it's a lovely place when you're there at the time. Mm-hmm. I, well, because I was producing and you know I'm. But at the budget, I'm just like, mm-hmm. this place is fucking expensive. <laughs> Let's be productive. Let's get yeah, shit done. Yeah. But one one lovely memory, though, was there was this kidney-shaped uh, artificial lake. And at one uh, lobe of the kidney was the studio. And at the other lobe of the kidney was the residential house. And we were there for four weeks over the arc of a full moon in the dead of winter. Mm-hmm. So I would cross-country ski from the the, the, the house you we are sleeping in. Over the in, lake. In this big kind of round arc mm-hmm. Yeah, to... uh to the studio, put in super long days. We're like you know, again, those guys. We were all really young, and yeah, it, yeah. It, you know.
0: it makes the days a little bit more exciting, you know. Like I've, it was nice, you know. And it's it's funny because I've modeled sort of my place without the residential part. My studio is in a barn up north of here, and the idea of being in a situation, you know, I like. I've recorded a band right there, right, my living room. Yeah, it's a great space. Yeah, so it sounds great. But the idea that you you you've sort of they've engineered this um awesome way to go and make a record and that was sort of you know i guess that he didn't invent it but he had the foresight to sort of do something like that you know but you know what
1: totally i i wished you'd had a chance to record there mm -hmm. do know that really it was it was a lovely place but because it's gone Mm -hmm. but still there and it has all this history it's sort of like Elvis or or Jesus or whatever. It's mm-hmm. time that makes it even more. At the time Jesus was just a dude, yeah. you know. It's Good he, Carpenter. He was a great carpenter. Speaking yeah. Car- he didn't put his thumb in the plate. You know, and uh, and Elvis may yet be a deity. Give it we, sure. uh, Everyone who remembers him has to die first and yeah, or yeah. Elron will be a deity, but everyone who remembers him and goes, "He was just a dude." Mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. to be gone for these pe- these things. Yeah, so yeah. so it was it was a lovely place. It and it really was, and 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 of course, in a period where you didn't know that the industry was going to collapse and and all sorts of change, mm-hmm. or that the lesson of change, like you got to be four or five uh, decades old to kind of go, oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, there was change some is factors. Constant. Oh, yeah. I wish I'd known yeah. that when I was twenty. Yeah, yeah, you know?
0: for sure. You know, there's a lot of factors in there too. That it wasn't just there was a lot of ignorance in the music industry that was just not they weren't going to turn that boat around. You know. And I thought once Napster hit, and we're coming around Napster a lot. I thought HMV is just going to be a kiosk where you just put your money in the kiosk and it'll be, you know what I mean, like a, a like a dispenser. Dispenser, right? You know, you just get your record and you leave. You know, but the, when Tower left as well, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, you know, I, you know what? I kind of like that. I like I like change, but I don't like change for the sake of change. I get it. Are you a vinyl guy? Not really. I mean, have you, some, you have one? I do. Yeah, downstairs, but it hasn't been plugged in in a while. Then you're not. I'm not a vinyl guy. No, I'm not. You know what? I have my whole theory about vinyl and I Me I like too. vinyl. I like the fact that you can hold the vinyl and you can read it and there's a lot of spot for art and you can read and you know cuz when I first started listening to records that's who I found out, oh, this is this guy that's worked on this record. I'm going to get that record and look at that. Oh, that guy worked with that and that's how you kind of place it together without the internet you have to right I mean
1: because uh, liner notes were more of a, a feature of
0: absolutely because it was just physical that is vision. a big
1: absence in digital delivery yeah yeah.
0: you know I think they tried with iTunes they tried to they meant there was a reboot of iTunes were like we're gonna make artwork we're gonna make this like buying a record and it it's, should
1: have been when there, whenever there's a splash or a thumbnail of the artwork and you just tap it once it should spin around mm-hmm. and have credits mm-hmm. uh, I have another uh, to uh, further support and extend your theory of vinyl mm-hmm. I have another uh Theory of vinyl. I think everyone needs to make vinyl of their music for this very reason. If you've ever gone to the seen Mayan glyphs, you know, or the ruins of the Aztecs, or mm-hmm. fortunate enough to see Nubian, or you know, yeah. pyramids like Tulum or somewhere in Mexico sure. or something. Anyway. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, the idea is that if you really want what you have done to be unearthed by anthropologists a thousand years from now, the only medium that will be able to be played back will be vinyl. And here's why: is is as we already know, digital information on a on a on a magnetic surface could last for eons. But unless you understand the header information that defines the operating system, that tells you mm-hmm. what the first one or zero of that sequence that follows
0: a, is supposed a code.
1: to mean, yeah, uh, without the cipher, mm-hmm. it, it will be it will be virtually. It, it seems to me it would be so so almost impossible to decipher it, mm-hmm. and then if you just unplug the electricity from our culture, like, for instance, if for any reason some post-apocalyptic sure. dystopic thing where we just all means of electrical current ceases in our... Mm-hmm. Uh, anthropologists would look back at the late 20th century and go, they just all stopped making things. Yeah. You don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the value... I mean, here we are uh, watching your iPad uh, capture our voices and, yeah. and all this stuff uh, that actually electrical current and its existence in the digital form is so volatile. It's really so vulnerable. I mean, I know it seems robust and it is, but I keep thinking of it similar to the way they're trying to solve the problem at Fukushima Mm -hmm. where they say, you know, this core is melted down and the only answer they can do is they're going to dig underneath the entire complex and lay in um, permafrost. Mm -hmm. That has to be, but they need condensers to run for 10,000 years to keep the permafrost frozen. And so there's Mm going to be how many generations of of families whose job it is? It's like, to make it's, that like go. It's, it's like lost. It's like yeah, the yeah. TV show Lost. Yeah. Well, they have to. So the idea of like this particular set of digital information, like think about it, I'm stuff I mixed to Sony 701 one on a on a beta tape, yeah. is almost impossible for me yep. to find a main to decode. Oh yeah. And there definitely. are companies that are buying gear, understanding that if they mothball it within five years they'll be able to charge at a hefty fee people who need to just transfer from one digital format to the next. It's this constant mm-hmm. leapfrogging of mm-hmm. of formats and operating systems. All of that's going to be going on and it can go on and be crazy. But if you, besides making your own children, mm-hmm. the legacy, if you have it, is, is vinyl, is plastic, it will not decay. It's, you can play it back with your fingernail. Yeah. It, yeah. It's so basic. So if you want to make music that will be... The truly mm-hmm. part of the uh you know the mystery of our gen of this civilization sure. when it crumbles yeah you got to make a record
0: there's even ways to make your own records if you have a cunning knack where you can actually cut into it there's i've seen diy but it's really like you need some power to do that though because you need to still it's basically taking a speaker and putting a needle in, and so that's the raw version, just sure. cutting the vibration right in there. I never even thought of that way, you know, because like, to me, I thought...
1: It'll float in the Pacific garbage patch for a little while. Yeah. Someone will fish it out. It'll Size be Texas. It's going to be buried in something, <laughs> but still, it'll work. It'll run.
0: Yeah, and even CDs rust. Like, you know, And the
1: operating systems are, are aren't yeah, understood yeah. if you yeah. don't have the CD player to understand, or at least understand the header that defines the
0: code. Yeah, and someone told, I think this is true, but I think a lot of the information on CD is telling the eye to move over. Tell the what? To tell the eye to move. You know, most of the information is is oh, is, for to move the the, move the 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 optical eye, mm-hmm. like move over, move over, keep moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I um, I really think we've <laughs> we've been talking for a while. I well, I'm I'm not
1: assuming whether you uh you I'm assuming I really you edit these things.
0: I edit the ums out, but I you know I like the fact that it's we you, you could come back every. I love guests like you because you have such an opinion blah of, blah hey, blah it makes blah. My job so blah, much, blah blah. makes my job so much easier because you know i'm like i said i i like asking questions but i like conversation more and i think like we were saying before we even started recordings that there's we're missing conversation in this world we need to whether or not there's a lot of filler in there or not there's some points that we're making that i have, sense you're wrapping up I feel the wrap. Do you feel the wrap up? I
1: oh, you have to wrap this up. Yeah. What I'm gonna. I'm gonna offer you two things. One is I'm gonna. I'm gonna be one of those other uh, interviews. Just okay. ask me a question.
0: Oh, I know this one. Uh, so tell me about you working in the studio. How was that? Uh, you know. Okay. Um. So yeah. let, let's see. It was okay. Uh, okay. No. So are you finished? Okay. That's the awkward <laughs> All
1: right. The reason I, I, I mentioned Skrillex back then was um Okay,
0: wow, this is this is good too because it actually comes around. Okay, go.
1: The idea of seeking originality in in as the as the modus operandi, as the thing that you're searching for, I often wondered about when is there another wave of something truly I've not heard before and mm-hmm. unique. And it gets harder and harder to do, but I would say when when corporate rock takes over, rock is dead, right? When yep. you know, like like classic corporate rock descended it was and punk just pulled it right from its thing and became a real thing but then punk was commandeered yeah. eventually and the idea Twice. of commandeering anything that happens uh by by you know commercial commerciality or whatever but what ended up happening was let's get this thought straight michael wrap it up wrap it up mm-hmm. um that uh yeah like new country was the new corporate rock and it gets commandeered so the idea that from the street, right from the from the zeitgeist, something truly original, I'd say the last time I, I felt like, God, rock is fucking dead. It's like every, you know, sort of teen age uh, TV show or or the selfie generated idea that rock is being a rock star, or pop star is sold as a, as a fashion accoutrement for something else. And you think, fuck, rock is dead. It's mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. And then... And then I hear Skrillex and I go, first of all, for its visceralness and for but truly now granted, I know, you know, um other other characters were running in parallel, but there was something about um like Dead Mouse might be well, he's a much mellower kind yeah. of flavor. Yeah. But still sumptuous, but but the Skrillex thing I heard it and I loved watching you know, young people playing it for their parents because they're like, fuck, you know, that that's sort of... A, that was
0: me, my son, my now 13, he was playing it two years ago. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. This o- is this robot music.
1: That sort of oscillator sync squelch that creates yeah, a human yeah. format over the bass notes and all these things yeah.
0: that... that blah, blah, blah. That's, that's a whole thing now. Like, you watch Go GoPro videos, it's like that... Blah, well, it's been commandeered. No, it's been it's commandeered. It's been stolen again now. But it always does. But I, I call it GoPro music. But I
1: remember thinking, you know, Rock is dead, long live rock. Like it just yeah, it, it yeah. appears again yeah. and it always will.
0: Yeah, it always finds a new way. It doesn't need to be I anything. Mean, it, it it's a testament to you as a person because you're willing to uh, allow something that's beyond maybe your comfort zone to in to um I'm blowing smoke up your ass by the way. This is me blowing smoke up. But you're willing to let that in and say, "Oh, I can take the good part of that." I want to take the good part of that because I think that's what musicians are supposed to do. You can't just switch yourself off and say, oh, they get that old, copy music out of my because
1: I'm not a musician in that capacity I'm actually Mm -hmm. a record producer and a career record producer so it's my job the older I get Mm -hmm. is to stay synchronized with the youth culture I have less and less in common with so I make an effort you
0: got to find the good parts of it and I as a musician the same thing maybe I'm I'm speaking as an engineer too at the same time well sure you need to find the good parts of it otherwise your job sucks Uh, like if you weren't (laughs) an engineer I'd have half the respect for you (laughs) You're just a musician to be like whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I get
1: it. You understand.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I thank you for coming by. You're, you're one of the rare people that actually make it up to Uxbridge. Um, and well, I was
1: coming south from. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. But still, regardless, I appreciate you coming on the show because we need more. I need more folks like you to come. And there's been a few that I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's been great. And uh, come back anytime because I think we could talk another hour or two. Or I'll come down to you. We'll do something. You know. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, so much, sir. Good talk, right? Michael Phillip Vuyavuda. Maybe we still goes by Michael Phillip because I think, I don't know, people, I think it was Michael Phillip Vuyavuda in the 90s. I'm sorry, but that's what I'm going to call him Michael Phillip Vuyavuda. I should actually kick it old school and go Michael Phillip Wahawada, but uh, that would show my ignorance. Ignorance. Everybody, thanks so much for listening to this show. Thank you so much. I know this, it's going on for a little while, but I really appreciate it. here's a code word. Here's a code word. If you can if you can recite this code word, monkey butt, I'll, I'll send you a shirt, okay? So first person on Facebook to say monkey butt can get a free T-shirt. Don't. The first one. Not all of you. <laughs> all of you. Look at me. <laughs> fetchclass.com everybody thank you for supporting that insightrecorders.com don't forget about the download codes don't forget if you're in a band you want to sell stuff over the um, over the merch table and you want to look like a super cool nerdy geeky dude, dude guy with your download codes hit me up musiciansfriend.com is a cool place to go buy musician stuff like anything it's cheap, free, I don't know not free amazon.com and banggood.com these are all places these are all affiliates and you can find them on the apolog.ca website you can click on those banners bookmark them and shop knowing that you're helping and supporting the show patreon.com slash is a place to pledge and support the show and don't forget to follow the show on facebook.com slash pod don't forget to follow me on twitter and i don't really tweet that much I must admit. But if I get over 100 followers, I'll, I'll tweet more. Okay, I promise. Monkey Butt. Remember? Monkey Butt. iTunes. Don't forget to tell friends about iTunes because iTunes is the most important thing for podcasts. They pretty much have the name podcast and it's the place and the hub, whatever. You could go to PodBay, all these places to go get it. But go to iTunes and, and support the show. Okay, everybody? So, hey, next week, who do I have? I have Stefan. Egerton of the band The Descendants and all and a bunch of other bands and he is my friend and next week is going to be a good week and I hope you all have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye.